0: You're listening to the AISTS Master of Sports Administration podcast, created by Dr. Boris Gojanovic as part of the program sports medicine module. In this series, we attempt to discover, understand, and debate the important issues in the world of sports medicine. Limits of the human body. Is it time for genetically modified athletes? Gene doping is an outgrowth of gene therapy. ...in which genes are modified or added to prevent or treat illness. However, instead of injecting DNA into a person's body... ...for the purpose of restoring some function related to a damaged or missing gene... ...as in gene therapy... ...gene doping involves inserting DNA for the purpose of enhancing athletic performance. The World Anti-Doping Agency defines gene doping as the non-therapeutic use of cells genes, genetic elements or modulation of gene expression having the capacity to enhance performance. Two types of gene doping exist. In somatic cell modification, genes are modified in a bodily cell, like a lung or a muscle cell. The changes are not passed on to children. Today's gene therapy changes somatic cells. The other type is germline modification. Changing genes in a father's sperm, a mother's eggs, or an embryo. The genetic changes manifest in children and possibly in their children's children. Today we will talk about somatic cell modification.
1: Thanks to gene therapy, we have ways to send genes into the body. Scientists can inject vectors, which are just gene transporters in this case, into muscles or blood. They can also remove cells, modify their genes, and then return the cells to the body. Viruses serve as popular vectors for shuttling a gene into a cell. They naturally inject their genetic material into our cells. To re-engineer them for delivering human genes, scientists clean out the harmful parts of the virus, insert a human gene into the virus's genetic material, and then inject the virus into the body. The most complicated part is delivering genes into the right cells. Scientists can steer genes by injecting into muscles, so the genes only enter muscle cells. Or they can use a virus that infects only certain body parts. They can also let the genes enter cells liberally but make them activate only in certain cells. It's even possible to engineer a gene to make proteins only when the athlete tells it to by taking a drug.
0: It's hard to say what would happen to an athlete who tried gene doping. The first gene-doping cases still have to come to light, and even when this will happen, it will not yet indicate the effects and impacts of gene-doping over many years. That being said, one of the main risks is certainly the uncontrollable results of gene delivery, for example resulting in overproduction of red blood cells with injection of the gene for EPO and possibly leading to thickened blood, heart failure and stroke. Other potential risks exist. Just one of these, and certainly not the least, is cancer. Cancer can happen if a genetic modification accidentally turns on a cancer gene, or turns off a cancer-suppressing gene. The athlete also could have an immune reaction. The body might attack the virus used to deliver the gene, the viral or bacterial genes themselves, or the very protein meant to boost performance. The reaction could be mild, like a fever, but it could also be severe. Healthy monkeys died from severe immune reactions after doping with the EPO gene. The action of the genes can cause problems too. For example, the genes for human growth hormone and IGF-1 tell cells to divide. If they get into the wrong cells, cells can divide uncontrollably and form tumors or it can result in disproportionately strong muscles pulling on surrounding tendons
1: and bones, which might cause tears and fractures. The mentioned potential health risks made WADA decide to include gene doping on the doping list. The other main argument was that gene doping violates the spirit of sport.
2: It's ethically wrong, and um, I think that as uh, a way anything that's ethically wrong is definitely wrong and um, probably people are using it in
0: lesser way now.
1: So what are then the great advantages and benefits of gene doping for athletes that outweigh the risks? Genes such as insulin-like growth factor 1, IGF-1, and myostatin, which regulate muscle mass, are obvious targets to increase performance in sporting disciplines in which pure strength is required. Similarly, genes that simulate blood production or increase the oxygen-carrying capacity of blood as well as those that regulate mitochondrial energy production and energy use, are of interest to endurance athletes. And manipulating pain perception by genetically modifying the release of endorphins in athletes' brains might be the ultimate winning combination. When we asked Professor Heisma, member of the WADA expert group on gene doping, about the advantages, he said the following
2: instead of giving the hormone directly, we give it indirectly by a gene. And the advantage of this uh, procedure is that the gene normally will act for a couple of weeks or even years, so a single injection will last for a very long time, whereas with proteins they are degraded quite quickly and the process has to be repeated uh, daily or weekly. Uh, The other advantage if you want to think about misuse of uh, gene doping Yes, is that uh, we can use human genes. All our genes are in principle the same, so your gene and my gene are exactly the same. And we can use a human gene, which is not really uh, recognizable by, by any means because it is exactly the same uh, as your own genes. So it's very hard to discriminate between the gene that you give to a person and its own gene.
1: So if one of the advantages for athletes is that gene doping is hard to detect, what methods are there to turn this around?
2: There are two approaches that we can use. One approach is uh, that we make use of the imbalance that you create when you give an extra gene. Normally our body is in balance, and let's say we introduce the gene for erythropoetin, then the body will produce maybe a small amount of extra erythropoietin, and there's a disbalance in the normal proteins. And we can detect this this disbalance. This is not easy, and we're looking for very small changes. But in principle, this may be an option. The other option is to detect the gene itself. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the genes that we think that are maybe practically used for gene doping will be genes that are developed as a therapy for people that have a disease. Exactly. Like people that have kidney disease, they may not make enough erythropoietin, and that's why some companies are developing erythropoietin gene therapy, and this drug may also be misused for uh, gene doping. Now, if you want to develop a a drug for gene therapy, normally what you do is that you don't use the whole gene, but you only use a small part of the gene. Our genes, they contain so-called junk DNA, and for gene therapy, we remove the junk DNA, and we only use a small portion of the DNA that is really useful. So we have a short copy of the DNA that we use for therapy, and we have a long copy of the DNA in our genes and we can discriminate between the short and the long copy of the gene, and this way we can discriminate uh, gene doping.
0: Many questions around gene doping remain unanswered and are hot topics for debate. Will our genetically modified athlete really run that much faster, jump that much higher, and lift that much more weight? Or will he or she head straight for the hospital? What if people are born genetically modified or have been treated for an illness by gene therapy? Would they be allowed to play elite sport? And what about if an athlete has been injured while participating in sport? Would he or she be allowed to use gene therapy to quicken the process of repair? These questions reveal that there is much more behind the notion of violating the spirit of sport and much more will be heard from this battlefield. Thanks for listening. If you've got questions or comments, share them directly on this track on the AISTS MSA SoundCloud page or visit us at www.aists.org.